Hello, everyone, and welcome to the brand new and improved podcast. We are naming this podcast now the Cowboys Fan versus the World Podcast with your host, with the most, Chris. I'm very excited. Hello, everybody. So for those of you that don't know what's going on or what's happened, I've officially uh, chose to upgrade the podcast to what it is now. So instead of CAV Sports Podcast, we are going to be doing, and this podcast will be called The Cowboys Fan Versus the World. Very excited for this change. It's been a little bit up and coming a little bit. I've been kind of like exploring options on what I want to do for the podcast and kind of make it better in some sorts or kind of figure out what I want to do like updating wise and figure some stuff out. And I think this is definitely going to be a great change and i think this is going to definitely help out the podcast a lot more make it a little more entertainment wise and make it a little bit better for you guys as listeners watchers if you're on youtube if you're watching this on youtube or listening on spotify apple Podcasts, amazon music whichever one i'm on all of them so it gives you guys a little bit of a better chance to kind of get more of a recognizable podcast i'm very excited for that but i got to give a big shout out to felipe fontes very big shout out to him. Thank you so much. He's been helping me throughout this po- uh, process with the podcast. He's uh, made some recommendations, kind of helping me out a little bit to kind of get a better feel for the podcast, maybe kind of a little bit more of a brand identity than CAV Sports. So that's why we're moving on from that name, and we're officially going to be called the Cowboys Fan versus the World Podcast. But you may be asking, you may be asking, so what's the difference from this podcast you know, from CAV Sports. Now, if you remember, you've been following for the past 30, uh, over 30 episodes, I've, you know, I was more of like an NFL podcast. We talk about what goes on in sports. So the difference we're making here with Cowboys fan versus the world podcast with your host, Chris, is that we're going to be taking a dive into the NFL through the eyes of a Dallas Cowboys fan. So for any of you that's been watching the podcast for a while, or I've been fans of the podcast for the past 30, over 30 episodes, I'm a big Cowboys fan. I'm very excited. You know, I'm diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. I got the hat on. I got the Dak Prescott jersey. I even got our new decor for the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can clearly see it. If you're on Spotify, Amazon, Music, or Apple Podcasts, I'm holding my new Dallas Cowboys helmet for display for the for the upcoming NFL season. So, you guys seen the kind of the change, and now I felt like it was time to kind of go forward with the change, and it's definitely going to be a big, you know, definitely something better and bigger, you know, and more enjoyable for you guys to listen. So, like I said, if you've been fans for a while, you've been listening in, obviously, from CAV Sports, it was, you know, we mostly talked about the NFL, you know, and also some other sports that have been going on or anything else that's been piquing my interest. But now with this new version of the podcast Cowboys fan versus the world we're going to be taking a look into the NFL world through the eyes of the Dallas Cowboys fan which is me very excited to get this new and updated version of the podcast started you know definitely more enjoyable content especially you know a little bit more of a direct view from where I'm coming from so probably throughout the throughout the entirety of this podcast I'm always going to mention you know I'm a Cowboys fan this is how I'm looking at it or at least I'm going to mention it in the beginning of the podcast just so you guys know where I'm coming from instead of it being a little bit more like probably something you see like on ESPN or something like that now it's going to be from the perspective of a Dallas Cowboys fan, lifelong right here, very excited. But let's get this new updated version of the podcast going. So we're going to start off with the Dallas Cowboys preseason. You know, just started last week, game one. We played against Jacksonville. I know we did not win the game, but we got some big 
big things to be excited about Cowboys Nation. That is right. The defense looks amazing. I'm going to say that again. The Dallas defense is going to be amazing. Here's one of the players I took, you know, that caught me off guard. Not really off guard, but it kind of caught my eye is Overshaw from Texas, the rookie linebacker. I've said it before on the podcast whenever they went through the draft process and kind of everything that was going on through that time in April that he was a steal. I watched him in the Big 12 tearing up offenses. He would be, he can cover in zone. He's fast. He can blitz if you need him. He can go get the quarterback. He can tackle the running back. And he just looks like a complete linebacker from the first preseason game. He was flying all over the field. You know, he's big. He's, you know, he's big, strong, fast. He looks like a, he could play strong safety. I believe one of the commenta- uh, commentators mentioned that in high school he was, or in Texas, one of the two, he was going to play strong safety, but obviously he got a growth spurt. It wasn't high school. Sorry about that. He grew in high school and he ended up going to linebacker because of how huge he is. But Overshaw is going to be a great, you know, outside linebacker to help Micah Parsons in coverage, along with Leighton Vanderesh and whoever's going to be man in the middle. Maybe they'll put him at middle linebacker. I think he, or no, they're going to put uh, Vanderesh there. He's going to be a great linebacker overall for the Dallas Cowboys, and he is a future star from what I saw. But also from future stars. Speaking of them, Mozzie Smith, the number, uh, the, not the number one, but our first round pick in the draft this past year, he looked amazing. You know, he not very, not a lot of you know flashy plays or big big stops, but he, you can tell he's disrupting the run which is definitely one of the things we're going to need going into this season, especially going up against teams like Philadelphia you know, and other teams that we're going to have to face going throughout the year. So it's very promising from what I saw on the defensive side of the ball. Everything that I saw, at least in the first preseason game, they were able to pick off uh, the, the starting team for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, this first play, interception by the DBs, which gave me... A whole lot more confidence in my de- in the defensive back room, you know, with the backups being there. Now with the addition of Stephon Gilmore, he sadly did not play in this first preseason game. But the backups looked promising. And also just the backup linebackers, the defensive line looked amazing. I believe Gallimore was playing, but Mozzie Smith was there. Like I said, Overshaw was there. Uh, Damon Clark from LSU, another linebacker that we have who I think has potential. It just looked great. On the defensive side of the ball. I know it didn't look like that, especially after that uh, Nathan Rourke fiasco thing that he pulled off. But, that, like I said, it's the preseason and kind of a little bit more of, you know, when you go farther on the depth chart, it's kind of, it's going to depend on who's going to shine and who isn't. But the main people that are more likely going to play this season, they that I feel like they should play, like Mozzie Smith and Overshawn, they're going to they're gonna be fantastic. From what I saw, at least in this first preseason game, we still have a long way to go, but Mozzie Smith is going to be definitely a run stuffer he's going to cause a lot of problems for offensive linemen and center you know over the you know being over the center as an and the guards he's going to disrupt runs and that's going to be so helpful since the Dallas that was one of the weak the big weaknesses in the Dallas Cowboys defense last year was you know not being able to stop the run however with now oh you know Mozzie Smith being there being with Gallimore and then they brought in you know, the, they're bringing back the, the former Oakland defensive tackle. It's going to be, or not Oakland, the Las Vegas Raider tack, uh, defensive tackle. It's going to be, it's going to look great uh, this season. And definitely having that depth is going to help, you know, alongside Micah Parsons chasing after the quarterback and Demarcus Lawrence. 
you know, and then on top of that, you add on the, you know, great defensive backs that we got in Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, Stephon Gilmore, who's now being added, and Trayvon Diggs. It's just exciting. Like, I'm just so excited for the season to begin because of how good our defense actually looked, you know, adding in new pieces, you know, all the draft picks that we made. It's, it's, it looks amazing, and I'm really excited to see for the next preseason, which I believe, as of this recording, it's Thursday, so they're going to play on Saturday, which is going to be even more fantastic. I'm very excited for that, and it, it looks I think our defense looks phenomenal. But I want to move over to the offensive side of the ball, and definitely the biggest player that stood out, and I think we just struck gold, and I repeat, gold on this guy. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce. He looked amazing. Wow. I believe he had eight carries uh, eight carries for 50 yards and a touchdown, and he was just breaking tackles for his size. He was putting defenders on ice. Wow, did we strike gold with this draft pick running back out of Kansas State. I remember watching Deuce when he was uh, you know, in the Big 12 Kansas State. He took it to TCU in the national – in the – Big 12 championship game when they played Alabama. Yeah, did they lose, but he was able to compete with Alabama, who basically has NFL-level talent on their team every year. You know, so he's not a pushover. It wasn't like one of those situations where he might just, you know, we'll put him at return man and, you know, try to see what happens. You know, he is a little bit smaller. He's five foot five. However, he looks so amazing, and I like the fact that he is five foot five because of this. Because of this, he's going to be so hard to tackle from the game. You know, from the performance he put on against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they could not take him down. You know, he was putting players on skates. He has a lower center of gravity. That's why, if you ever play, if any uh, football players out there or anybody's played football in general, a lot of coaches say get low because the you know either it's going to be harder for them to tackle you or you can make the tackle on them because you have a lower center of gravity. But what do you do when someone has a very very low sense of center of gravity to begin with? It's very hard to take them down, especially since you know he also has he's built. He's a built running back and he has that very quick burst of speed. And I'm very excited for Deuce Vaughn. He was one of the players I was very excited about whenever we drafted him. Because I saw what he can do against in Kansas, uh, at Kansas State last year, he was able to put on shows for the Wildcats. You know, like I said, he took it to TCU in the Big in the Big Twelve title game. It, he's an he's just a baller. He is that guy, and I'm very excited for him to be on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I was a little skeptic because they were gonna put him mostly at return. You know, and I was like, I don't know. We already have Kevontae Turpin. I don't know why we would put Deuce Vaughn there when he, he's going to be a running back. Like, I know he can play running back, and it was only going to be a matter of time before maybe someone else figures that out too. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a little bit of Shady, a little bit of Shady McCoy, you know, action. He can He's elusive for, you know, a running back that is, you know, he has a stocky build. He is elusive. He's fast. He put defenders on skates. And that was the biggest thing for me is that, you know, some plays where maybe he should have not gone anywhere, he was able to push the pile a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be like a strong running back like how Zeke is or how Ronald Jones is going to be coming back after he comes back from suspension. But he's going to be like a great, like maybe a quick screen um, running back or some sort of, you know, play draws for him, end around, something like that. I think that's what's going to be, you know, crucial having him on the team. And also, keep in mind, Tony Pollard's contract is up. If he does well enough, maybe we maybe the Cowboys aren't going to pay Tony Pollard the money when they have Deuce Vaughn, which is like the trend we're seeing with some running backs. If they can be replaced and they have someone, 
they may just keep in house and get rid of the uh get rid of the player that they may not even need. I'm not going that far right now just because it's still pretty early and Deuce, you know, it is a preseason game, but Deuce Vaughn looked amazing. We have a dog on our team. We have a certified stud at running back helping out Tony Pollard, Ronald Jones. Um I think he outshined uh Dillwiddle a little bit. I think I think Dillwiddle had a he had a couple good drives, but Deuce took it. Deuce t stole the show. Like every time he was on offense, you know, lined up in the backfield, I'm wondering is he getting the ball and how fast are we gonna score or how many yards is he about to get? Because he can break one. If you remember that play, he just went off and it was it was amazing. And I'm very excited for him to be with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I'm very excited for him to probably get started soon. I think he's about to earn a spot on the team. I think that he's probably going to be maybe maybe running back three. I remember I predicted this. You know, if it was on the podcast, it was. If it wasn't, it was like outside of the podcast. I remember going about it and thinking that, yeah, he is going to be amazing. You know, I like the draft pick. I think he has the potential to be Maybe running back three since Tony Pollard is going to get the bulk of the carries. Now that Ronald Jones is probably going to be gone for the – well, he is going to be gone for the first couple weeks of the NFL regular season. I think it's going to be fantastic. He's going to step up and be here to play. And I also think he'll be a great like running back three if we absolutely need him. If Tony Pollard needs a break and they don't want to throw in Ronald Jones yet, he can go in – you know, catch halfback screens, something like that, or he could run the Texas or angle route, you know, just get get some easy yards and run. You know, he can get in the op uh, open field. I remember he made that really good catch after that angle route, jump, you know, high-pointed the ball like a wide receiver. He jumped in the air. So I'm very excited for Deuce Vaughn being, with the, being a Dallas Cowboy. Oh, man, it just gets me excited, especially that chant in AT&T Stadium. Deuce Vaughn. Oh, so exciting for him. I'm glad he he looks amazing. He looks like he's going to be a star wearing the star. It's going to be great. And hopefully he can get some reps with the not with the first team, but probably with, you know, probably get some reps, get ready to get on the main roster. I think he's going to be one of the guys automatically, kind of like Cavante Turpin, how he automatically got put on the team after he made some big plays last year in the preseason. I think that that's going to be the same situation for Deuce Vaughn. He's not going to start, but he is going to have a he is going to be on that 53 man roster. Come September, when the NFL season begins, they'll, I'm sure they'll use him one way or another. Maybe they'll put him at just punt returner and kick returner for now, you know, to help out with Cavante. Or, you know, if they're going to try to incorporate Cavante Turpin more into the offense, Deuce can always be a return man. I know I kind of saw him, you know, returning kicks in, in a training camp in Oxnard and also a little bit in the preseason game. He was back there lined up. So, very excited for Deuce. I think he's going to be an absolute, you know, stud. In the NFL, and he's going to be a stud for the Dallas Cowboys going forward. And also, like I said, just oh, he just looked amazing. I'm super excited to see what else he brings to the table come uh, this Saturday when they go up against Seattle in their preseason game. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with that. But Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is going to look amazing. He just he looks phenomenal going up against Jacksonville, and I think he's going to be a great player for. You know, for the rest of the preseason, I think he's going to be the standout in the Dallas Cowboys team, on, at least on offense-wise, and he's he's going to earn a spot on that 50-man, 53-man uh, roster come September. I'm marking it right now. Alrighty, so other other Dallas Cowboys things going on. We are back to full 
power. That is right. Zach Martin is making his return to the Dallas Cowboys. He returned this week after signing a little bit of a contract, a little bit of a restructure. He's going to get $18 million for the next two years left of his contract. You know, gonna make, gonna get the bag. Very happy for Zach Martin. He absolutely deserved it. He is the best guard in the NFL right now. He definitely deserved to be paid as a top guard in the NFL. You know, they moved him around from guard to tackle when we were struggling, you know, on the tackle side. So Zach Martin re-signing, or not re-signing, but, you know, getting that contract restructured. He's coming back for training camp. is definitely a big win for the Dallas Cowboys because outside of Deuce Vaughn, the other eye I had was our offensive line. What were we going to look like after Jerry Jones' comments that we may move on from Zach Martin? We may not need, we may not need him. Yeah, no, we needed him because, man, was our backup struggling. That was another key point I was keeping an eye on throughout the game was how is our right guard going to look because we need I need to see if moving on from Zach Martin is really going to be a good idea and man was it not a good idea <laughs> not a good idea to pull that threat on him because we did not look good with at that right guard position I saw the backup guard getting beat he was getting pushed back he was barely able to make the you know the run blocks the pass blocks it was not looking good for the offensive line so I'm sure Jerry Jones saw the game and said you know what Dow, Dow, Zach, I'm ready to talk business. What do you, what do you want? You want the 18 million for the last two? Done. We'll get it working. I mean, he's the best guard in football right now, especially being at the age of 30. I believe he's over 30. He's still one of the top guards. He's going to be a future Hall of Famer. He definitely deserved having that pay raise because he's been the best guard. He's been the best guard, even with other players coming in. You know, projected to be better guards than him. He still went out there and, you know, outshined them. Quentin Nelson is a big one because I know there were some arguments that Quentin Nelson was the best guard in the game. Zach Martin said, hold my beer because I'm the best. I'm the best right guard in the game. And he has held it down for the past decade. Keep in mind this, keep in mind this, is that the Dallas Cowboys almost didn't go with him in his draft class, I believe it's 2023. Almost didn't go with him. Once we remember that Jerry Jones tried to get Johnny Manziel, and look how that worked out. We could have almost, we almost missed out on a future Hall of Famer right guard in Zach Martin. So now paying him, solidifying him, making him a little more happy to stay in Dallas, you know, give him a little pay raise for all the contributions he's done. There are times he had to go to right tackle because our right tackle wasn't fulfilling his spot, all the kinds of crazy shifts. You know, picking up more slacks as Travis Frederick retired, being the leader of that whole offensive line and being one of the offensive leaders overall for the Dallas Cowboys. Zach Martin is going to be here to stay. And now that he's coming back, the Dallas Cowboys can be back in business at full power yet again. And I'm very excited for it because that's what we're going to need going into the season, especially going up against Jalen Car uh, Carter in Philadelphia, the Commanders. The Giants with uh, Dexter Lawrence, I believe was his name, and whoever else we got to face going into this season. Those are just the, you know, the six we're going to have to go up against twice in a year. And having him there, being the leader, helping out is going to be a big help, especially since I believe I saw Jalen Carter in the, in the Eagles preseason game and he just manhandled the right guard. I was like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need Zach Martin because we're gonna need someone to cover that big boy, and I think Zach Martin can do it. 
he only let I believe one sack in the last few years, and he or I believe he only got like one flag within the full within. I think he got like one holding call, like, and it's been a long time since he's gotten like a holding call. And also he he's not really allowed a lot of sacks. He's like I said, one of the he's probably the best right guard in all the football right now. Future Hall of Famer. He is gonna be essential to this Super Bowl run that everyone's predicting the Dallas Cowboys are gonna have, especially seeing. You know, kind of how the preseason game went with how strong our defense looks. Even outside of our starting, you know, the starting 11, we have studs and now solidifying Zach Martin to be here. I just find it funny how, you know, Jerry Jones made that comment saying that we, we can move on from Zach Martin. And then we had one preseason game. He calls him and says, hey, we want to do business. I'm a reasonable man. What do you need? What do you want? Let's let's make some money. Let's give you some money and let's bring you back in the training cap. Because, man, I was freaking out. I was, you know, that was the other position I was looking at aside of uh, Deuce and maybe uh, Jalen Tolpert. That was the other one I was mainly concerned about, and we did not look good. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, Jerry Jones wants to go into this NFL season without the best guard in football. So let's just give him some money. Let's give him his money. He's been, he's been really great for over about almost over a decade now. Or about a decade now, he's been great. Let's give him his money and let's bring him back because that is gonna he is gonna be essential to that running game and he's gonna be essential to protecting Dak Prescott going up against you know the you know Jalen Carter and Dexter Lawrence and whoever other whoever other player we got to go up against this season. He's gonna be essential and he's gonna be you know an essential leader on that team. You know, on the offensive line, making sure everyone's right, helping out Dak Prescott. It's he's he's essential. Essentially, is what I'm getting out here. A very essential player, and I'm glad he's back. And the Dallas Cowboys are back to full power, and we are ready for the season to begin. Alrighty, so let's move on from the Dallas Cowboys talk. Now let's see the NFL world through the eyes of the Dallas Cowboys fan. First up, we got the New England Patriots, or the, or as I like to call them, the team that thinks they're America's team. So. News with them, they did sign former running back Ezekiel Elliott. That's right. The Dallas Cowboys released Ezekiel Elliott earlier in the summer, and now the New England Patriots have signed him to come in. And, you know, he's already saw his social media. He already got the fresh cut. He's looking, you know, he looks like college Zeke. He also is going to be repping number 15 like he did at The Ohio State when he won the national title. So what does this mean for the Patriots and Ezekiel Elliott? I think he's going to be splitting reps with uh, Stevenson, I believe is his name. And what I find interesting is that New England looks like they're trying to load up on running backs to probably take the load off of Mac Jones. Because because of what we saw with, uh, you know, kind of Mac and how successful the run game was when it was simplified due to, you know, Matt Patricia being there and him not knowing how, you know, not knowing how to run an offense in ever in his life. So now when we look at, you know, bringing in Ezekiel Elliott, a veteran in the game, you know, to help out probably the young running backs that they have right now and to take off the pressure off Stevenson, you know, so that way he's not in all the time running the ball. I think he's, I think Zeke's going to be, is going to be helpful to New England, at least in those, you know, goal line sets or the third and fourth and uh, fourth and one, fourth and inches, third and inches. I think he'll be helpful there because seeing him play in Dallas you know, even after the decline, you have to give him his credit. He was a strong and powerful running back, and he can break through the line. You know, he can get you those necessary yards or the necessary touchdown. You know, 
that was his biggest difference between you know Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard wasn't really that power back, but Ezekiel Elliott is. So I think the Patriots adding him, you know, to the team to get him, you know, their power, you know, some power formations, or at least to get him like one or two yards. And or get him, the, you know, a fourth and fourth and goal, third and goal touchdown at the one yard line. He can definitely do that. So I believe that Ezekiel Elliott getting, you know, signed with the New England Patriots and trying to see, you know, if I don't know if he would try to revive his, you know, his career. He is 28, which is about like 45 and running back years. So we'll have to see how productive he's going to be and how much Bill Belichick wants to use him and go about it that route. That's really going to be the biggest determination on how. Well, Ezekiel Elliott is going to play. And then on you add on top of that, he's got to figure out, you know, where he's going to stand, you know, in the running back depth chart. Because he's not going to be like the starting. I don't believe he's going to be the starting running back. I think Stevenson is still going to be the starting running back. But I do believe he'll probably be like a second or a third. He's going to be definitely in the power, you know, in the power sets, you know, third and goal, fourth and goal, third and inches, fourth and inches, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be that guy. He's definitely going to play. I don't think he's going to be, you know, never used or never occupied. I think he will be essential, you know, to at least kind of helping New England get through, you know, kind of push him a little bit further instead of relying so much on Stevenson, especially since last season, that's kind of who they relied on the most. You know, and then also having Zeke there will help take the pressure off Mac Jones. However, though, Mac Jones, don't get too comfortable because next thing we're going to talk about is Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham, rookie quarterback out of Louisville, looked sensational with his athletic ability. And that's the biggest difference between him and Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Wow, is he athletic. I remember watching him in Louisville. You know, he would steal the show, how fast he is, how he can get downfield. You know how you know he was a pretty. I thought he was a decent quarterback in Louisville. So when he went, uh, I believe he went undrafted. If I if I'm incorrect about that, please you know please correct me on this. But you know I thought he did decent in Louisville. I thought he was going to get drafted a little bit higher, you know, and go you know, be, you know get drafted to a team. But he ends up in New England, and I think he did. I think he did great, especially since he was he's able to run the ball a lot better than the other two quarterbacks that they have. I'm sure that maybe Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien might draw up some you know sketches for him, you know, to come in and do like some goal line stance stuff, you know, with Malik and use his athletic ability, you know, to break, you know, to help score or something like that. But Malik Cunningham. You know, and how I think he performed well for the amount of drives that he had. I think he should have gotten a little bit more reps, you know, and kind of see what he else he can do, you know, with the offense if he got, you know, a little bit more practice with it. But Bailey Zappi and Matt Jones, I'm just saying, don't get too comfortable because I think Malik is coming. I think he did great. I think he'll help out a little bit more with his athletic ability because he be he will be able to escape the pocket. He could throw on the run. He can run the ball. I think he's gonna, you know, I think he can look great. I, from what I saw, I thought he looked, you know, pretty decent with the amount of reps that he was given in New England. So. And I know him coming in and seeing like what they're gonna what the Patriots want to do at quarterback, especially with Tom Brady being gone, Cam Newton didn't work, and now they're trying to see if Mac Jones is gonna be the answer or if it's gonna be Bailey Zappi. It's gonna depend on who can run that offense more efficiently. But I think that having Malik Cunningham there is definitely gonna help them out overall. And they can always add in like different, you know, QB sets with Malik Cunningham and use his athletic ability, you know, pairing that with Stevenson or pairing that with Ezekiel Elliott. However, they want to use, you know, Malik is going to, you know, I think he can really just 
open up the playbook more for the New England Patriots. I believe that he can help them out a little bit more, you know, than maybe Bailey Zappi can. He could probably squeeze on in at backup. I don't know. I'm I'm really excited to see like if he gets a little bit more reps, you know, come the you know these coming preseason games, the last two because I believe there's only three weeks now. So hopefully he makes the most of his opportunity, you know, his opportunities there in New England. I believe he can maybe get like second, maybe you know, maybe he'll get third for third string for sure. But he may get second if he performs at the level he's been performing. I'm sure Bill Belichick and Bill uh, Bill O'Brien is going to give him a little more reps after seeing what he can do, you know, when they played last week. So I'm very excited for Malik, and hopefully he gets a you know little more opportunities this upcoming week, uh, this upcoming weekend, whenever the New England Patriots play. Hopefully he can get a little bit more reps, and he can show off a little bit more of his athletic ability. I would say maybe the one thing is probably showing his throwing ability. I know that's going to be the biggest, you know, the biggest concern, you know, probably with Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick is you know how well, how accurately can he throw the ball, how well he can throw it. You know, but I'm very excited. Like I said, I'm excited for Malik Cunningham and maybe the Patriots may find a quarterback that maybe can, you know, if they wait a couple years for Mac Jones or if they want to move on from Mac Jones, say like at the end of it and they want to try Malik Cunningham, he's an option. He's he's an option. Just saying he's there. Might, might as well utilize him while he's there. So hopefully Malik Cunningham and the Patriots can figure something out. You know, if it's going to, I'm sure it's going to be Mac Jones just because he's been there a lot longer than Malik Cunningham. But Malik can, Cunningham looked pretty good, in my opinion. The way he could escape the pocket, he can, you know, throw on the run, the way he was able to score the touchdown. He's definitely, like I said, he's going to open up the playbook up a whole lot more than probably like Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi can. He can just open up a lot of possibilities, especially with the running backs that they have right now. It's definitely going to be very helpful and detrimental to possibly the success. At least try to make a playoff game for the New England Patriots. I don't think they're going to win the division. I highly doubt they're going to win it this year either way. I already have the Bills kind of winning it this year. But maybe they maybe they could make a push for playoffs. Maybe and possibly try to save Bill Belichick's job because he's in the hot seat this year. Who knows what may happen to him next year. So maybe if Malik can, you know, kind of shine a little bit more, maybe put him ahead of Bailey, you know, and get them ready. You never know. Alrighty, next team that kind of caught my eye. We're talking about the Russell Wilson Broncos country. Let's ride. I'm not getting on that ride because wow, did that O line not look good? What? Yeah, I I believe the Denver Broncos are not going to take that step forward. They're not because of what I saw, not from Russell Wilson. Uh, specifically, I thought he looked pretty decent with the drives he was given. I think they should have he should have at least finished with 10 points. But Brett Maher, that man still haunts my dreams every now and then. Dallas Cowboys, you know, he was a Dallas Cowboys kicker. Ugh. And missed the, he missed a field goal. And they were able to score a touchdown. But the biggest concern I had for Denver was not really Russell Wilson. So I don't think he's going to be bad. I think it's going to be the offensive line that's going to make him bad. Because, wow, was that offensive line not good. And he stayed in for four drives. He was only able to get seven points. Should have gotten ten. But he only got seven on the board. And it took him to the second quarter to score against an Arizona team who I don't think is going to be that strong this season. And they were still able to put pressure on Russell Wilson, you know, and having the starters out there. And that's a big concern for me because if that offensive line can't figure it out, then Russell Wilson is not going to be successful. He's not going to be able to throw the ball. He's going to have to run for his life. 
basically, and you're going to end up possibly with a result you're not going to want, especially with Sean Payton being there. And that's going to be more of the disappointing factor is that Sean Payton and how much the Broncos gave up to get him to bring in Russell Wilson and now just for the offensive line not to look good, which is a really, really bad sign for the Denver Broncos because they're going to need that offensive line to be built and strong if they're going to make that offense work under Sean Payton. So, from what I saw from the O line, a lot, you know, a lot of QB hits, a lot of QB pressures. You know, they were blitzing. Uh, Arizona was throwing a lot of blitz at that offensive line, but I mean, the offensive line was being beat. Why wouldn't they throw blitzes at them if they can blitz the quarterback and try to get there at least throw Russell Wilson off his game? Why not try it? And there's and they, um, from what I saw, I saw a giant flaw in that offense, and hopefully Denver can make it. You know, they could fix it so that way they can at least survive this season. Because keep in mind, these are a couple of names they got to go up against in just their division alone. This is just in the AFC West. So they got to go up against Khalil Mack and the, and the Los Angeles Chargers. They got to go up against Joey Bosa. And then they got to go up to Las Vegas. And they got to face Mad Max Crosby. Then they got to go up against Chandler Jones, who is also on the Raiders. And then Tyree Wilson, their first pick in the draft from Texas Tech, a Red Raider. They got, they got to go up against just those two teams. And then you add on the Chiefs, who has Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. It's, it's a lot they got to go up against. And that's not going to be easy if they have a, lock, a lackluster offensive line who can't block that well and Russell Wilson's going to have to use his athletic ability granted he's athletic but he can only run for so long and he can only you know stretch the play out as for as long as he can if that defensive line is breaking through and it's just the Arizona Cardinals which is a little bit of a weaker team I believe this year it's not a good sign if I'm a Denver Broncos fan cuz that would absolutely terrify me but I would guess if you want to look at an upside here at least Russell's not the one looking bad. It's not Russell Wilson's fault that the offensive line's bad. I, I will say that. I will give him at least a little bit of lineage. It's not his fault that the offensive line is bad. And it's not his fault, you know, for, you know, possibly struggling. And he was struggling in that preseason game. However, though, he, he's a veteran. He has to find a way to work around it. Hopefully he can. Or Sean Payton's going to have to go to the drawing board and say, we got we to gotta mess with this offensive line because there's no way my quarterback is going to be under that much pressure for the next 18 weeks because that is going to be hard. It would be hard for any quarterback if they had a bad offensive line and they had to go up against some of the best defensive defensive players in the league in their division alone. Like I said, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, that's just the, that's just the Chargers. Mad Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Tyree Wilson, that's the Raiders, and then Chris Jones with the Chiefs. It's it's not an easy it's already not an easy division that they're in I mean, especially having Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs there and the Kansas City Chiefs there it's not going to be any easier if their offensive line can't block because their de their defense is going to be fine I think Denver's uh, the Denver Broncos defense is going to carry them kind of, you know just because they were like the better part the better part of the team last season I think it's going to be the same thing this year but if they don't fix that offensive line they're not gonna they're not gonna make that jump they're not gonna improve from what they were last year. They may make some small improvements, but it ain't going to be enough. And they're probably going to have to go in and draft or pick up offensive linemen hopefully soon because they're they're going to need the, all the help they can get because it did not look good. It was very shaky, in my opinion. And hopefully they can figure it out. Hopefully it's just maybe they're figuring out the new offense. It was a lot of confusion. But from what I saw, Russell Wilson's in danger. And 
it's not going to be fun for Bron- for the Broncos country because no one's going to want to back, you know, get you know back this up. I wouldn't want to back it up either, knowing that they have a possible future Hall of Famer and they still can't figure it out within two seasons, and they had to bring in Sean Payton, you know, and make a trade with the Saints and all this stuff. It just doesn't look good, especially since if you compare it to you know how Derek Carr looked with the Saints in his first game, and I thought they, the Saints looked good. With Derek Carr being there, and now seeing you know Russ, you know Russell Wilson, who is a little bit more of a certified Hall of Famer than maybe Derek Carr is going to be, you know, and he's struggling in year two compared to Derek Carr year one with the Saints, and it seems like they're already on the same page, and he's not is definitely not a good sign for anybody, just in general, you know, especially being a veteran, a, a Super Bowl, you know, Super Bowl champion, he made an appearance in a Super Bowl. It's it's hopefully Russ and Sean Payton can figure it out because they're going to need to fix that offensive line. If not, they're going to have a really bad season, you know, and I really don't see them making that big of a jump if they can't fix it. Alrighty, so last thing for today uh for today's podcast, it will be the last division to go over on who I think is going to win it this pa- this whole off season. I've been you know, stating who I believe will win each division. Now we're on the final division. So the last division is the AFC North. So who do I believe the A- who's going to win the AFC North? It's going to be the Bengals. It's going to be the Bengals, even with Joe Burrow being out. Here's why. So as of right now, there has been no, there's been no like timetable, like specific timetable on when Joe Burrow will return. It's not a guarantee he will be there by week one. It's not a guarantee. As of this recording, things may change, you know, in the next coming days or weeks. Who knows? Something may change. But as of right now, there is no word on how long he will be out and how long he will be gone. So either way, I think the I think the Bengals are still going to be in a you know in a good spot to win it if they can at least win some games, steal some games throughout the season until Joe Burrow returns. So, but let's move on to their their predecessors, the Ravens. Here's my issue with the Ravens. Do they have a good defense? Yes. Lamar Jackson's back. Yes. Did they have did they add offensive weapons? Yes. My problem though is going to be if injuries are going to cost them their they're going to cost them the season. Let's let's look at it. We already have Lamar Jackson who missed um last season. He missed the playoffs because he was injured the year prior. He was injured again. And then you look at his the talent that he has around him. Rashad Bateman got hurt and he did not play towards the end of the season and they did not have an offensive weapon outside of Mark Andrews. I'm surprised that guy never got hurt because, you know, he was their most productive player, at least throwing the ball wise. Then you look at Odell Beckham Jr., who, which by the way, I love Odell. I think he's, I think he was very talented when he was in the league. He was, he was a star. I thought he was going to be great in Cleveland you know, up until the injury bug got him. And now he just can't seem to stay healthy. When he was in Cleveland, he got hurt and he didn't play a lot. So he ended up not being that number one receiver like everyone thought. It ended up being Jarvis Landry. Then you move him over on over to L.A. He was great and he was phenomenal in L.A. because he wasn't the number one wide receiver. He was not the number one choice. So having Cooper Cup, uh, Cooper Cup there... So it takes the load off of Odell, and he doesn't have to be in double, you know, double coverage. He doesn't have to try to beat the top corner. He can line up in slot, or he can go up against cornerback two, who might be a little bit weaker than the cornerback one. So we got to keep that in mind. And he still got injured in the Super Bowl game, which you know he was, you know, it looked like he was on track to possibly be the Super Bowl MVP, but he got hurt. 
And then he hasn't played football in a year because he was sitting out with this ACL injury. And then the Dallas Cowboys try to go get him before playoffs. But then the doctors were, you know, notifying Jerry that he may not even be ready for playoffs. He may not be ready till next season. And that's the concerning part is how long will Odell Beckham, you know, keep up? How how long will he be able to stay healthy, you know, before he may, you know, if something happens to him and he gets injured and they're down a talent? And then we're, we're going to see what Trey Flowers is going to look like. Hopefully he can be good. I think he will. J.K. Dobbins is another example. He got hurt, and he missed out, I believe, in the beginning of the season. So, And then, like I said, Lamar Jackson's been hurt. So there's a lot of injury question marks on that team, and they just paid Lamar Jackson a ton of money you know, to be there for his services. And, we, and that may come back to bite them in the butt next year when they don't have any money to get anyone. So that is my biggest thing. Their defense is going to be fine. They've loaded up on their defense. I think the Ravens' defense... Is one of the best in the AFC right now, if not possibly the best. However, if their offense starts getting hit with the injury bug, then they're gonna have a problem because if you know if something happens to Lamar, they gotta go to Tyler Huntley, which hopefully he can maybe replicate what he did before. If Odell gets hurt, they're down a weapon. If Rashad Bateman gets hurt, they're down a weapon. If both of them go down, they only have Trey Flowers and Mark. And Mark Andrews, if J.K. Dobbins goes down, they're down a running back. There's there's just a lot of issues if the injury bugs, you know, hits the Ravens. If they get hit with injuries, they're not gonna they're not gonna even come close. It's gonna be another fiasco like what happened last year. And that's not what I want for the Ravens. I hopefully they could be pretty successful. But on top of that, even if they went up against Joe Burrow when he returns, I think Joe Burrow is gonna beat the Ravens. I think that he. You know, he's proven he can go up against top talent and, you know, pull out a win, especially with the wide receivers he has compared to the Ravens. I would take I would take the trio in the, with the bank of the Bengals than I would with the Ravens because like because Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, solid trio. And then you go to the Ravens with Rashad Bateman, Trey Flowers, Odell Beckham, uh, Odell Beckham, who's injury, who's an injury prone wide receiver. We don't know what the rookie's going to look like. And we also have. You know, Rashad Bateman, which hopefully he doesn't get injured. And the only the only thing difference in that offense is probably going to be tight end. I think Mark Andrews is way better than the tight end uh, that he's going to be with Dal- with uh, Dalton. No, not Dalton Kincaid. With the whoever the tight end is for the Bengals, definitely Mark Andrews is going to be better. But overall, I think the Bengals will pull out even with the injury to Joe Burrow. I think they can still find a way to come back and win some of the games. Now let's move on to the Browns. The biggest thing that's going to be with the Browns is is Deshaun Watson going to look like. Is he going to look like MVP Watson? He hasn't won an MVP, but will he play to that MVP caliber that we saw him play with the Houston Texans? Keep in mind, whenever he was in Houston, he looked phenomenal. You know, even with a bad offensive line, even without a decent coach, even without decent weapons, he was still able to make it work. And then he was out of football for two years. And this is the first time we're going to see him play in a full season. So my biggest question mark with the Cleveland Browns is, is their investment in Deshaun Watson going to be worth it this season? Do I think that he's they're gonna beat out the Bengals? I do not think so. I think that maybe they'll get third or they'll tie or they'll probably be like tie third with the Steelers. I think that's gonna be a battle between those two. Can they make the playoffs? I think they can, but it's gonna depend, like I said, on Deshaun Watson, how he's gonna look. He does have weapons with Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb being in the backfield. And they have a decent offensive line, and I think they have a decent defense. So they can get by. However, will Cle- will Deshaun Watson help elevate Cleveland like everyone's hoping, like Nick Stefanski is hoping, because they gave up a ton of money and a lot of draft capital to, or a lot of you know money capital to bring in Deshaun Watson. 
to help, you know, hopefully elevate that Cleveland team. And I don't know if he'll be able to do it because he's been out of football for so long. And this is the first full season he's actually going to play in. So you don't know if it's going to take some time for him to kind of get the more of the rust off going further and further down the line into the season, how long that'll take for him to find his groove, you know, and play like a Houston, like he played in Houston. That's going to be my biggest question mark for the Cleveland Browns. Now let's move on to the Steelers. Either way, the Steelers are going to win above 500 with Mike Tomlin just because Mike Tomlin is going to spite everybody. However, you know, I think they have a, they have a good defense. TJ Watt, Mike, uh, is it not, is it Micah Hyde? Micah Hyde or, uh, Patrick? Mike, uh, sorry, the safety there. They have a pretty decent defense. However, you know, and George Pickens on that offense looks phenomenal. It's going to depend on how Najee and Kenny Pickett play. If if Kenny Pickett, it seems like he's taking a little bit of a step up from his rookie year last year. If he can take that next step into being the, you know, possibly a franchise quarterback for the Steelers, I think that they can do well, but they're not going to be strong enough to beat the Bengals. Like, I really don't think so. I believe that maybe they have a better defense than the Bengals do, but the Bengals have a way better offense than, uh, they have a way better offense than the Steelers, and they have a way better, and put the the Steelers' defense with the with the Bengals' offense, I think the Bengals' offense would win either way. So, I I believe the Steelers may finish third or fourth in the division. I don't think they're going to win second just because Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Kenny Pick uh, than Kenny Pickett is, and um, it's going to depend on, like I said, with how Deshaun Watson looks. If he doesn't look like Houston, like Houston Deshaun, then I think Steelers are going to get third. If he looks like Houston Deshaun, then they're going to they're going to end up in last. They're still going to somehow go above 500 but it's, this is definitely one of the tougher divisions this year especially with how much potential all four of these teams have but i think overall the Bengals are going to still come out on top of the division and just win it all and make the playoffs again even though they may not have joe burrow you know for the first couple weeks of the season like i said nothing has been you know nothing has been reported that he will be there by week one as of today as of this recording this episode, it has not been reported that he will be ready by week one. So we're going to play it by ear. But if Joe Burrow is somehow back by week one, they're they're going to win it. I think the Bengals are the best team in that division, even though it's going to be a very stacked, a very like tough division to face to play in this year. I think the Bengals are going to win it. And even with Joe Burrow being gone, if they can win you know, some games consistently, they're definitely going to win their division this year. But all righty, guys, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the Cowboys fan versus the world podcast. Like I said, new and updated, very excited for this change. I hope you guys are going to enjoy it as well. Make sure you follow me on all of my social medias at Cowboys fan versus the world. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, at, well, X now threads, TikTok, And then you also give me a follow on YouTube or subscribe at Cowboys fan versus the world. And I'm also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. But until next time, thank you guys for listening in.